You're now listening to the Open Africa podcast with Laulu, Nosa, and Furo. On this episode of the Open Africa podcast, we'll be discussing the new circular issued by the CBN around BVN and NIN for tier one for account opening um, across different tiers. Interswitch chargeback fraud, um, the new direct debit service by Paystack and Mono, and then just dealing with some other bad news in the ecosystem around like Cardivest, Patricia, Zazu, and Alerzo. Um, so let's get into it. Um, CBN on CBN recently issued a circular. Basically, I think the ma- the major change in that circular is that tier one accounts now must have either a BVN or an NIN linked to it when the account is opened. Previously, like they could just open an account with a phone number and then there were limits on those accounts. So I think total deposits in the account was like, I think 500K or something um, for the year. And then in each deposit, there was a cap. Right, um, Nusa and Laulu, please. Yeah, so fifty k, fifty k single transaction limits, five hundred k cumulative balance limits. Um, mm. There's some other small stuff, but I don't think people really used it. So, like limits on mobile banking transactions, and co. Mm. But at that really, it never really went into effect like that. Mm. But, so. Yeah. so- so do those limits change now or they still apply? Because mm. I don't think anything was said about that in circular. No, the limits don't change. So I think the big thing is there's a fine line in terms of how people interpret tier one, right? So banks for the traditional banks and most fintechs for tier one, you need to have BVM. But for mobile money guys, BVM was not mandatory. So you'd see Pompey, Opey, those guys are mobile money, essentially. Paga, mobile money. You didn't need a BVN to operate a tier one. So you could have a wallet that didn't have a BVN. And that kind of opened. Because I don't know if you guys remember when, and that's not Access Bank, Diamond Bank did that thing with MTN, yellow accounts those ussd accounts yeah. yeah so those were like mobile wallets you didn't really need a bvn to open those so yeah. the with like the rise of OP, pompey and people like them kind of exposing that loophole lot of fraud has been happening on those types of accounts so when someone gets defrauded they move it to a wallet account and cash out at an agent and it's literally gone so no trace no nothing so one of the, I think, and I guess there's some pressure from the guys that are properly regulated saying, look, this is really, it's not a sustainable thing. Because again, if they defraud you and it goes to open no shade to them, you're never getting that money back. So there's really, it's just become, become a thing. And I think CBN is just taking, what's it called? Moving a step further and, saying, yeah, this is no more. So now yes, all, tier one, yeah, all tier one wallets need BVN now, or NI, which is additional. Yeah, so I think I, that this is tied to that whole fraud. Like, you know, the, there was this bit that came up recently around like just the fraud numbers that are being like built and how that is unfortunately being passed through like these mobile money companies. Um, it's also interesting to note that as of May this year, actually, PAGA announced that they would require like be like NIN or like an additional form of ID for even tier one accounts because obviously they were probably getting hit as well with these fraud fraudulent. Um, yeah, it was, it was around the time they even launched that their what's what's it called? Um, I think it's the virtual card. Yes. Yeah. So I think I probably will say it here. <laughs> If you do a USD virtual card or anything, USD virtual card, USD account is like a moth to a flame. Um, you start, you attract the wrong type of crowd. I think almost everybody that has ventured in that direction has seen it. 
like if you what's it called cheaper cash was doing what's it called usd account numbers and the fraud they saw the provider had to pause the product um that's that's cheaper cash gray for the longest time gray finance didn't have their usd accounts and when they brought it back it was very strict i think it's like a manual review and uh, to see if you really need it because or anything usd attract fraudsters basically yeah i think this has like it's even long overdue to be entirely honest with you because like all the social social engineering that we saw happening with like wallets it was becoming excessive um i remember one time a friend um her friends got hit because someone created a pound pay wallet in her name and just went around looking at um her friends on instagram and anybody who had like a public number like a business owner um they were hitting up those guys to say like oh i'm coming back into the country next week and um, can you send me 50k my bank is acting up and they were able to like defraud someone of like 100k and by the time that one was asking ah, how far my money she's like what money and then the chats came alive so yeah long over yeah. and i feel like if I was saying this yesterday on Twitter that look the big 2023, if you don't have BVN or NI, please just stay outside the banking. And I think we're well past that financial inclusion buzz. And now like financial service providers need to be like super strict um, on who gets in. Like we need to, I mean, this isn't going to stop fraud in its entirety but it should help to you know mitigate a certain kind of of fraud yeah it, it's it's just so bad like um i'll give you another one that happens at spotty bet so spotty bet if you want to do a withdrawal right the name on the account that you're withdrawing to has to match the name on your spotty bet account um, um people just social engineering Whatever, whatever, they get into your sporty bet. They open a pound pay or an OPE in your name. And of course, you have a card linked to your sporty bet because again, it's to generate activity. You top up your sporty bet wallet, or the person tops up your sporty bet wallet and withdraws, stops up, withdraws, stops up, withdraws, stops up, withdraws, and essentially just wipes the whole thing. And you now say, oh, why did my money go to Spotty? Or how Pompey, how do you allow this thing happen to me? But again, it's just there are just too many loopholes that it allows happen. Like so many people have built ridiculous logic into in their systems that these guys have just seen. They've peaked game and they've seen, like, yeah, this is definitely taken. Yeah, I think sorry, where we recording remotely forgot to to add but i think it probably was obvious <laughs> the awkward pauses probably give it away and the quality um yeah all right um uh, i guess we can jump into interstate chargeback fraud since we're still on topic of fraud <laughs> um who wants to go ahead with that one the interstate yeah. all the best of <laughs> say all the best to them. <laughs> nah, I think it happened um a couple of years ago. Um, it's just like yet another story about just how brutal this um this industry can be. So it was chargeback fraud, which we've talked about on this um on this podcast. Um, but that figure is is pretty crazy. Um, Interstitch has recovered, or they say they've recovered like a little over 10 billion. This was an article on, on Tech Cabal. Um, but yeah, 10 billion out of 30 billion is like 30 something percent. So still a long way to go. But it's the reality that payment gateways um and banks face where people, you know, commit chargeback fraud. And if you're unable to resolve with the with the merchant, the liability falls, you know, to the bank or to the provider, depending on who 
um, the card scheme determines is at fault. So yeah, that happened, but I think we can we can brush past it. It's just if anybody that wants to do fintech, good luck to you. These are the things that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, you're pushing past somebody's somebody's issue. Sorry, you said I said yeah, you're pushing past somebody's issue. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Is it I don't think 20 billion naira will kill will kill InterSwitch. They are fine. If it was my employer now that 20 billion were well, finished, there's no you'll be in Kiri Kiri, my dear. There's, no, <laughs> there's no getting and our office is even close to Panty again. It's free now like <laughs> people be doing on the internet. But InterSwitch, I mean it's I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but yeah, it's not it's not business ending money. Um but the rest of that money, shall good luck. I, I'm not sure they are getting it back. Anyway, speaking of payment gateways and segueing into something that's more interesting, uh, names direct debit. So, what should I call it? Um, Paystack and Mono. I mean, Mono's announcement was a bit quiet, but Paystack was the one that got the internet up. Was they've essentially we built, we worked names direct debit. Uh, so I guess maybe we can, so direct debits are what direct debits is. Direct debits, you're essentially giving a company authorization to debit your accounts at will. Basically, they can just reach in, pull money from your account easily. Now, this is something that has existed for a long time, but the reason why it's not so popular is because it's just a tedious model process. It's something that never got digitized. So like the traditional way is, you fill a mandate form, like paper form, and go to your bank, like sign it, go to your bank, and say, oh, this, I'm authorizing this person, blah, 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 to do, to debit my accounts, so, 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 you sign off, blah, blah, blah. Whenever there's a request to debit, you come check your mandate, okay, they approve the debit. It's a very, very bad one process, very tedious, especially now where nobody really goes to branches anymore. Um, so it just doesn't make any sense to to do that. And I think a lot of all these like digital lender type companies, if someone is coming to you for a 5K, 10K, 20K loan, them running through that, if, if your call is dispersed now, 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 five minutes, them running through that entire process of doing mandates was long. So everybody switched to cards. Now with cards, it's not it's not foolproof because I mean the, maybe in the initial days was an honest way to do it, but now you can just request like a virtual card from some digital bank and you just put it on the account and say that is what you're using to authorize. Maybe they'll take like hundred naira or fifteen naira to check if there's actual money inside. Then you just abandon the account or you you delete the card. So the next time they want to charge the card. Is a failure. So that's kind of, so I think what data banks have been struggling, there have been some guys like Lydia and Lens Square that have kind of tried to digitize the process somewhat where, okay, you don't have to go to the branch to get the form. Via API, they can send you the PDF to your customer, your customer will sign it, upload it on your app, you send it to their bank. Again, it's still very long if you're trying to do a digital digital stuff. So now Paystack Zone is, I think it's the biggest step. I haven't seen how Monozone works. So just putting that out there. But Paystack Zone is like the biggest, I guess, step forward in terms of digitizing it. So um, essentially what you do is from the customer's perspective, they say, okay, I want to link my GT Bank account to this, to this app. They say, okay, you confirm, they send you an OTP, you know the normal, OTP, confirm who you are, blah, blah, blah. Then to be sure that it is you, you have to initiate like a transfer from that GT Bank account or a small amount, like 15 naira, to a, an account that NIBS owns. NIBS is like listening to the in credits into the account. And once they see this 15 naira from this account, they can confirm that, yes, you indeed initiated it and you want to, you want to mandate this direct debit. And they create and they create that direct debit on your behalf via the merchant. 
So this is a huge, huge step forward compared to like the paper thing that people have been doing. You can create essentially do like a direct debit mandate without what's it called, without going to any branch. Uh, Paystaxon is still in beta. I think Mono as well. Both of them have like wait lists open for it, but it's good. I think it's probably. Again, it's still very early days. It's, the process is still not the smoothest. So, because I saw I've seen Paystacks one, um, I got like a demo of it. It's still not like one click. It's not like the one like a direct debit have in England or something. But it's still very clean compared to what it is traditionally. And I think this could be a game changer for lending companies. It might not be a game changer for people who have like are still trying to do some fancy instant. Kind of stuff, or if you're trying to build all those PFM apps or like Curve, where you link all your accounts to one place and spend, it might not be that for you because the process is too tedious for that. But for somebody that desperately needs money, I think they can go through those steps to do it, and I think that's it's going to be a significant, significant way forward. Um, because I saw some people talk about, oh, this is a game changer for e-commerce. I don't think what it is right now in its current state is an e-commerce play. Like it's very far from it. I'm going through filling bank, doing simple transfer, blah, blah, blah. These steps are long. It's like maybe five, six, seven steps. I mean, it's all digital, yes, but if you put that in your checkouts, people are going to drop off. But for people that are doing credits, I think always oh, a big, it's a big, 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 big win for them. Yeah. Um, and even like beyond credits, we actually have like users of you know, payroll that don't like businesses that don't like virtual accounts. And they'll say like, hey, can't you debit it from my, you know, from my bank accounts because finance doesn't like want to send to to another bank account because they've already set up all their accounts payables, account receivables, all that good stuff. So yeah, it's also another use case for businesses like that. They may not be many or in the majority, but yeah, they exist. So really excited to see how this evolves, especially MonoZone. Um, I'm curious to see how like that's going to work because it's also something that I've been looking for as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think they have to hand, do lots of that to do lots of hand holding for nips. Um, I would say hand holding, but it's not. Because when I remember I had a conversation with these guys the first time they were trying to sell it as easy pay, blah, 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 that they've changed everything. And when we were demoing it, it was like, okay, we'll send you PDF. And I was like, this is digital. This, <laughs> this is not digital. And so I think, it, and that was like maybe Q2. So between Q2 and then, I think it's a very, very big jump. And I think it's the guys like Paystack and Mono that have kind of maybe forced their hand in some way. And yeah, I think that's definitely a step forward for all of us. Yeah, for you were saying. No, I was, I was just going to say it would be interesting to see how it all pans out um, because obviously direct debit is a big thing in other markets. That's how you pay for like your energy, you pay for your mobile bills, etc. Um, so it would be interesting to see how it is leveraged um, in the market. Okay, so moving on swiftly to would I say <laughs> not so great news in the industry. Um, so I think we can start with Crowdy Vest and Patricia. And the reason why I'm bunching these two guys up together is because they have both gone and tried to basically um so they're not able to pay people their money, right? That was invested in their platforms or I don't know. I don't even know if I, if I can call it invested, but sure, people put money with them, um, and they're not able to meet their obligations in terms of giving people the money back on demand, and so they have tried to convert people's money into equity in the company. Now I don't know what, how, why they think that that would work. Um, like. Typically, if somebody like I don't like in Nigeria, I don't think a lot of people have enough disposable income that they can just casually put that money there, and they're okay with you just converting it into equity and then 
collecting that money at a future date that is completely unknown, right? Um, so it's we a bit wild. We even determine the valuation itself. That's the exactly. To, to exactly, especially considering the fact that you're essentially a company that has, is on the brink of failure. Exactly. So at what valuation are you, you know, I think for me, it's, the crowd, the crowded verse one is actually like super hilarious because I was called a mad person for suggesting like you can position a Greek based investments as low risk. And with all due respect, this thing stems from that Nigerian lack of comprehension of, of certain concepts. Like there's this thing that we do with agriculture in this country where we're like, you know, oh, it's the way, it's the answer, and it's so ubiquitous that everyone just assumes that like it's super straightforward. It's not. Um, in my time, like financing companies, we used to regard agri-based companies as like higher risk, and our preference was always to use like government intervention funds to finance those businesses. So the CBN will say, hey, we have a hundred billion naira to give to, you know, companies in the agricultural sector, but they have to go through the banks. That was always our preference. Use someone else's funds, make like a small spread on top of it because it's such high risk. Crowdinvest has been owing about 7.7 billion naira since 2021. Um, like over 3,700 <laughs> customers have been impacted. And I hear that it, it happened because they took on Farm Crowdy's obligations. Um, and I don't know if you remember Farm Crowdy, but they too, they also failed saying that COVID was a problem, that partners could not repay the investments and whatnot. So Crowdinvest, um, took on Farm Crowdy's debt after Farm Crowdy died. And yeah, they've been assuring investors that they're going to repay that debt. Um, but now they are doing that equity thing. Yeah, it's 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 a big mess. It's all a big mess. Patricia to going that route with their own with their own tokens. It's yeah. I I don't want to come across as like anti-innovation but sometimes like can we regulate people please so i think what's so called one thing is there's a i don't i don't frame it as a nigerian thing but as if there's really people don't really understand like there's no first principles thinking around investments right nobody tries to understand what it is that is being invested like what is the underlying thing? And I guess that's too much to ask of a lay person. And that is first. So I don't want to victim blame. But for me, when I've from day one, I never believed in agricultural investments. Because for is if you say money is you're, you're collecting my money and you're going to give it to farmers, the farmers are going to sell crops and I'll get the returns of that. I know Nigeria. I've heard stories of how all these things are just there's so much waste, how much money they lose, blah, blah, blah. It don't, it don't matter how you spin it. it. For me, it just never made any sense because it's, it's trusting Nigeria to function in a particular way. And I guess you can say that for a lot of things, but for me, T-bills means, if I get T-bills, means Nigeria defaults on its loans. It means Nigeria has failed. The odds of Nigeria failing and the odds of a Nigerian failing they're very two different things. I feel like we have enough selfish people that whose interests are well deep in the fact that this country just has to exist. That's Nigeria won't fail. But for a farmer on the road, or someone trying to do this um, or, or collect the maize and will sell it on a commodity exchange, there are, there are no guns backing that investment. There's no, there's no sovereign interest backing that thing. Yep. That it can fail. And and once you frame it like that, it's very easy to gauge how, how much risk you are taking. These guys come in and say, oh, this is foolproof. We put 10K, now you get 40K now. It was near MMM-ish. Because so, so, even the even mutual funds and like tables and whatnot, they try to give you the caveat that ah, it's not 100%, it's certain, but it's not 100%. 
Yeah. So and I think also, a lot of people... Sorry, for just to add that, like beyond that commercial threats of non-performance for the farmers, there's also like existential threats to the crops. Like agriculture is the type of space that today you can have 20,000 birds and one nonsense fungus will just hit your farm and tomorrow you have 20. Like it's a, it's a really tough space to operate. And when calculating the risk, you can't discount that. But sorry for I interrupted you. No, it's okay. So no, I think I was just gonna say to Nusa's earlier point about expectations of a layman, right? For the like for the person that is putting their money in Crowdivest, for instance, all they're seeing is that Crowdivest has told them that look, if you put 10k today, you get 40k tomorrow. Beyond that, they're not thinking about much else because we all know how tough things are in this country right now and everybody's just looking for how everybody's looking for money doubling schemes for lack of a better way to describe it right and so that's how individuals fall into the trap of these um organizations because i'll go back to like when um when we're building when we're building um the lending thing at Stambic, right when we're testing the user flows with individuals we wanted to show them all the information all the fine print around um, interest rates and um, like repayment terms all that jazz and when we're doing user testing all they wanted to know was look how much can I take and when will the money hit my account right and so it's the same thing that is playing out here People go on Crowdivest, Crowdivest tells them you put in 10K, you get 40K tomorrow. They're not asking any further questions, right? And that's where regulation, I guess, comes in because within this space, you've seen Farm Crowdy, you've seen Crowdivest. I'm sure there are lots of others that have quietly built up a lot of buzz, gotten a lot of money and disappeared, right? There, there is a need for regulation for these kind of things. And I think it's a bit tricky because they claim that they're doing agriculture, but the fact that they're holding people's money, surely like CBN or SEC should play a role in like what they do, right? Um, but yeah, sad times for the individuals that are affected. You know, to be fair, I also hate how when people call these things fintech. Like for me, like this this is not fintech. Same thing with Patricia. Like whenever Patricia does something, people are like, oh, fintech has struck again. It's very yeah, deep down annoys me because man, that's not fintech. That's a this this is as close as it gets to criminal activity. Like please let's even say yeah. Patricia. Like the latest one is that oh, it is some politician that took how many, whatever, whatever. Even like, even if I want it to be true, I'm not even giving them the benefit of the doubt anymore. Like it's a, it's a dodgy, it's a dodgy business. Like I've seen hey. crypto. Look at Patricia. They look at other people doing crypto businesses. There, at least there's some delusion to the other people doing crypto businesses. Again, I don't feel like they are they are the best of us, but there's a delusion to that they actually believe that they are changing this thing. The Patricia guy's focus has always been ruthlessly on the money. And not even like ruthlessly, I don't think that guy cares about crypto. I don't think that you've gone from gift cards, gift cards where it was like a bunch of boys in 1004, basically doing this thing, scratching the card and putting the number up and Putting like this automated to just venturing, oh, we are now doing Bitcoin. And even as we're doing the Bitcoin, it's not as if they're like, oh, we're going to also call improve that functionality or Bitcoin, like the other guys like push and cohab and do like OTC desk and whatnot. No. It was just I don't have to say it's I beyond calling it criminal activity. So I don't even like when people call call this thing fintech. They are not, they are not among. What they are doing is something I don't know what they are doing, but it's not work. Yeah, I think this alludes to you know the conversation I having before we started recording about possibly doing like an article around like just like the fraud ecosystem. We may not name names, but then I'm hoping that by the time we're done with that, you'll see where some of these people fit in in the fraud landscape. 
No, th- think about it. Somebody is buying a gift card for ridiculously less than what is going for on black market rates, mm-hmm. and nobody's asking questions. Like the way that, is, there's more like, ah. demand. People like, just ah, think they're is, smart. Nobody's like, ah, this business model, how is he ramming? It's because it's essentially it's like it's 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 money laundering on on the grand scale. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very ridiculous money laundering. I scam somebody, maybe I don't do scam, I do romance scam. Anyway, scam. I do romance scam. I tell the the person on the other side, send me Apple gift card or send me Sephora gift card. What am I doing with a Sephora gift card in Lagos? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Then I now go to a place like Patricia and say, oh, who we'll buy your Sephora gift cards for so so, so a month? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it literally started out as a marketplace. Yeah. It's interesting times. Um, I feel like, I don't know why I feel bad for people that put their money there, but I feel bad for them because obviously they didn't know better. Um, but I'm hoping that people will learn from like, I don't know, I hope people will learn. The people that are affected, I don't want to be judgmental, but the people affected, I don't even feel sorry for them because I've not even asked how they got that that money from. So... (laughs) Is my process of crime that I've been oh my god in the midst of them, there'll be one or two innocents that's where just there might be one or, be one or two innocents, sure. But <laughs> even this political angle, I'm sure the guy is maybe another person that just Man. as they as they were fighting, just jacked the money and said, Ah, what do you mean you don't have my money? Do you understand? When I, when I saw that politician angle, I was like, come again. Like, is this it's now so, where... It's so far-fetched. It is so like, far-fetched. Like... Uh, it, 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 absolutely, it absolutely kills me because it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, the, it's such an odd... Like, you can make a movie out of this thing for... Like, you know how you watch like Netflix things where it's like... Oh, this guy got kidnapped. He has the Bitcoin in his flash drive and he's running across. <laughs> <laughs> it's so insane. Like, so, you know, they spawn off the gift card company. It's not a standalone thing. And I've seen it got into Techstars. The gift and I, thing got into Yes. The, yes, the gift card business, the spawn of so Patricia is now fully on crypto. Then they spun off that the original OG gift card business, spun it off into a separate entity. That separate entity got into Texas. Now I've seen a deck of the thing. And essentially they pitch it as gift cards are the new payment rule for Africa. And my mind is like, only a white man can believe this kind of number. Because there's nobody. It's only a wise man that wants to be fooled that believe it because come on. Because there's no way he tells this is one of the locals and shed the tell that this is what these guys are doing. They will not come to I do not say I beg, I beg now, calm down. (laughs) No, it's it's ah, it's disappointing, insane. I there's there's so many words for it that again, just like crowd invest is. I don't understand how you trust that kind of entity with your money. I think it's this, overall, it's this inordinate desire for quick wealth. It's a human thing. I don't think it's just us because even Nigerian charms, they only work because people are looking for money. uh, But I think it's more like prevalent here just because of how much poverty there is do you get what i mean like it's a common thing everybody like across the world you have greedy people right but i think here just because of like how hard things are and how poor people are like there's more desperation to find like quick money making schemes like you saw that stairs report where it's only like 3.5 million nigerians spend over ten dollars a day right things are hard but so the people uh, here had like it's three millionaire that they have on these platforms. So they are not even the poorest of the poorest. Uh, they're just they're just 
it's just unadulterated greed, to be honest with you. Because even me, twenty percent. I don't understand. I don't understand. But yeah, I think we have. But these are the guys that um, police usually to stop at night. Wow! 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 Did you see that video? Wait, did you see that video? The way they went to what was supposedly Patricia's office to come protest. Yeah, I did. The empty office. Yes. Did you, did you not see the, the characters that were protesting? Oh my God. Those are okay. Moving on to the next. Moving episode. on. Please. Anyway. Um, Zazu. Yes. Zazu uh, and them. No, that guy, but that name, though. Zazu. Zazu. Yeah, like, if portable, I, I mean, not to kick a, kick a dime, uh, how do they used to say it, but, uh, what's up with I'll say this, this is a, this one's a sad story-ish. It's a sad, really sad one. So Zazu is they raised over two. Uh, I mean, me being on the other side, I know what two of them. If you give me two of them now, I will never raise again. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one, but it's a sad story. So they started out as a kind of a marketplace where people in the UK could go and they could see. They could compare the rates different effects like providers are giving. So you maybe compare Sendwave, compare world remains, blah blah blah. And you know, you basically point you in the right in that direction. So they had they had some traction there in I think the diaspora. Uh then they decided to like double down and why not do remittances themselves if they have this community? Now, the thing with doing remittances yourself is the infrastructure costs that nobody really really speaks about. Especially when you're doing it in a country like UK. It's not like Portugal, it's not like Lemfire. Lemfire zone, I mean, this is just, just, I don't know if I should say it because again, they can source. <laughs> but Lemfire zone was very, how do I put it? I don't say manual. But it was manual in the sense that, because you know the original thing was Nigeria to to Canada, and essentially my guy just found like a way where unlicensed whatnot, you guys can infer what it is, but found a way where you can collect money in Nigeria in the Nigerian account and pay out from in Canada from a Canadian account. Very low tech easy way to prove uh, product market fit before you build out that kind of thing. You'd probably you make some money off doing it that you can now invest in building your infrastructure. Z- Zazu, on the other hand, didn't run that route. They were they are not based in Nigeria first. They're based in the UK first. So that means if you're talking to any, you know, you can't be doing transfers to Nigeria also, or receiving money into your personal account like that to get flagged. That's red flag. They're very strict. So it means you register your company. Maybe you start the process of getting access. Maybe not. But you go to like a bank as a service provider. Now, banking as a service providers, it's not like Nigeria always pay as you go. Uh, for people that have worked with SaaS companies, they lock you down long-term contracts, beyond even long-term contracts. They have no skin in your game. And by no skin in your game is, they say, okay, bad as the bad, we want to be making 2,000, 3,000 pounds off you every month. If you have revenues or the fees that we charge you are more than 3,000, that's what we collect. But if you only make 500 pounds in fees, we are collecting at 2,000, 3,000 pounds every month. So you enter that kind of relationship with like a, a provider, you are burning cash fast. And it does not give you any time to figure things out, give you any time 
to play to play because I'm I'm very very sure that's where most of that two million went because what most people are asking oh how can you waste two million I'll finish that I'll finish that two million it's easy to spend two million when you are on that type of deal which is standard for everyone that you have to you have to aggressively monetize now if someone is charging you two k three k I mean sometimes it's, it goes up to two k three k is even nice to get a two k three k deal is nice you most likely get like a 10k type deal then you're paying salaries you're trying to do marketing do whatnot the money burns real quick especially when you're not coming into a crowded market marketplace so you're saying you're doing remittances from uk to nigeria around that same period photo entered the market photo was charging one pound it was a near instant. Flutterwave has the might of Flutterwave. Lemfire was already there on ground hitting. This doesn't, then there's the world remit, there's the tap tap send, there's the send wave. There's so many, um, Kuru, there's so many remittance providers in the UK. There's, before you even talk about what Western Union and MoneyGram guys that were there and running this business. So it's a crowded market. You don't have enough money to stand out because you can't do aggressive marketing because it's not like you waste that much money for aggressive marketing. And again, you're advertising in England. It's not like you're advertising in Nigeria where all the CPM and all that CPA stuff is cheap. Here you are, you are, comp, you are trying to stand out in a market that includes more revenues and whatnot. So you can't even do pure digital advertising without spending significantly. Maybe you try to do ground game like Lemify, but... They are already entrenched. How do you beat somebody that has already formed the communities in those in those in the UK, all those like the immigrant communities? So yeah, in a very tricky place, like stock. Meanwhile, every first of the month, every every end of month, your bus provider is sending in their bill to collect their money. So it's very, very easy to burn cash. All right. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculously easy. So it's and it's not just not just bus providers, they are signing up KYC providers. Again, it's not like Nigeria where you can do identity pass and Premier you can be doing, and even SmileID, you can do pay as you go. And it's only what you use that you that you pay for. Guys are locking you down into contracts on minimum, maybe minimum term, maybe two year, three year for you to get like good price. And it's like guaranteed numbers. So you just find yourself, the money you raise, essentially giving out giving it out to all these other um all these other infrastructure companies like as as you collect it you give it to them you collect it you give it to them if you like charge your customers from day one or you charge your customers from day two as long as you don't have like enough traction enough noise in the market for you to run it it's going to be tough because look at it what's their name um even cheaper cash were in the UK. They did the whole UK launch. And if you notice, they quietly shrunk a step two because it's a very tough, crowded market to enter into for remittance. If you're not going to pump in lots of money at big startup rates, it's, it's a long one for you. So it's a, it's a very, very sad story. And I, and I, I saw some comments where it's like, oh, how can you be depending on funding? It means the business model wasn't right. It means your unit economics wasn't right. Like, it's all this casual armchair um, analyst talk, which is sometimes very annoying because most people don't really understand the context. Like it's just, I, I don't want to say they, they didn't have product market fit. It was just an expensive venture. And you kind of need enough money to pump into the thing to get started unless you want to rough it and do it like the only way you can get started without burning cash is to do it near illegally as why i have like 10 i have 10 accounts in the uk and when fro wants to send money to laulu fro will transfer to my monzo and for my gt bank i'll fire the money to laulu and that's how we'll be running the remittance i should just be me with two phones receiving and sending is a is a very rough yeah it's a very rough business and it's it's so sad because if they had enough money right maybe they had like ten million because that's really good thing that that um, people that 
what most people don't say is that having lots of money gives you buffer, gives you padding to chest some losses at the start or to chest some, some rough times until you stabilize. So like OPE coming in and doing all that stuff, OPE's market dominance is built off the fact that they've raised over half a billion. So they can try things. They can try all right for acquisition. They can try all food for acquisition. And those things can fail and they don't die. They'll just charge it to the game, cut their losses and just say, go back to XX and say, please, we need some more money. This is our new strategy. But for a small startup that's raising 1 million, 2 million, if that your all right play did not work, you're dead. Yeah. I think it's it's a sad one, um, but it's something that, I mean, there are lots of lessons that people can take from their experience. Um, it also just highlights how expensive, like what I say, the Remittance business is if you're going to rely on like international providers because those guys are not going to smile with you when it comes to negotiation. Either you have the volumes or you don't to get discounts and and they're they're locking you in for like fixed costs, like regardless of where you are, right? In your in your in your business. And there's no motivation for them to revise their terms because they have lots of businesses that are able to meet their demands and kind of, you know, that's the small company in Nigeria does not and with small volume does not really warrant them to go and start making changes to their processes, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's it's so it's very, very rough. And they're very cutthroat about it. Like I remember I was talking mm-hmm. to some guy from checkout and I was doing the math. I was like, look, okay. This is how much interchanges on the transaction is regulated. It's this percentage of blah blah blah. And this is how much it is. On this, on this volume of transaction, this say I make one pound. And I'm telling the guy, your fee is not from the interchange, your fee is outside the interchange. And you now have a minimum fee of like 50p, while the max I can make is one pound. If Things are if people are using it for small transactions, which is what people most most people use cards for. Maybe my interchange is like twenty five p. It's like maybe volume game. That's how I make money. But I'm losing on every transaction. And the guy's like, "Yeah, don't yeah. expect your cards to make money. You should find some other value propositions to sell your customers that you make money on." And for me, it's like to hear somebody that's trying to sell you something say that. It's like ah. Kind of how far what's what's going on here? And it's like, yeah, that like that's how it feels like that's how all the providers do it. Like uh Revolut does this, and I was just there just listening. I was like, ah, I thought we we're in this together. Now imagine having that kind of conversation in Nigeria where I are talking to maybe Nibs, uh Nibs is telling you, Oh, we'll charge you 10 naira for transaction. And he's like, we are telling the guy, but it's only five naira to be a set I can charge. And Nibs is telling you, eh, you make money other ways. This would have died. Guys would be like, no, no, we are not doing that. That's pure capitalism. It's like find another way to make money. But this one, yeah. I, like, dying. I need to make my own money. You need me figure it out. <laughs> like even when you're talking to like international KYC providers, I'm telling somebody that look, you are telling me I should pay USD, GBP, foreign currency for a verification. At current rates, maybe you're saying the guys tell they are telling you, oh, a dollar is good, a dollar is good. Guy, a dollar is like one thousand naira now. This customer that you're telling me I should do KYC of for a dollar. When do you think I'll make one thousand naira off this guy? At what point? <laughs> how many airtime does he have to buy? How many transfers does he have to do <laughs> before I make the one thousand naira? And they look at you and be like, oh no, the local guys are not good. And in my mind, I'm like, nah, at least the local guys are charging me. Nah. Both of us know ourselves that, ah, look, this is the economy we are in. <laughs> you cannot do this there. Someone's coming and tell you, we have state of the art, facial, it's like, it's better for me to have fraud than, I mean, it's not better for you to have fraud because they can take your license. But you get what I mean? It's like, when you gauge, it's like, you're spending all these costs. And you never really, you might never make up this much money from the guys. And they're very ruthless about it. 
So people that do that international expansion, uh, me, I rate them because is everybody that has tried it, every Nigerian company has tried to do expand outside Nigeria. You can see they are shaky outside. It's, they don't have, they have two legs and all firm on the ground. <laughs> it's the wild west out there. It's the wild west. It is. Um, I think that's the last thing we were had on the agenda. Um, at the beginning of the episode, I was meant to issue an apology on behalf of all of us because obviously we slack. We did slack in November. I think life was just happening, and we could not. We're getting around the world. <laughs> Say it as it is, please. You know, you know, you know the funny thing is that the remote recording you didn't want to do that. We are doing it now. Well, do I have choice? Tell me that you people will come back and just do in person, sharp, sharp. Lalo, you have to prepare for a future. You have to prepare for a future where we have left you. Is roadcaster, don't worry. And yeah, that's so why I think... we need ads. So this episode is sponsored by Insert Your Name. If you sponsor us, we can buy Roadcaster and I will not be afraid of remote. Yes, um, but I think we have one last episode coming out this year, the year in review um, episode. Um, and then we will be hibernating and preparing for 2024. Fantastic. So, any final comments, guys? No, not for me. Not for me. It's just the 2023 has been a year. Yeah. It's been a tough year, man. Um, like, we made it to the end. A real year. I saw Shaggy this year. Mm, One for the books. Anyways, until the next episode, thank you for listening. Safe. Goodbye.